Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, in this episode 256. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez, that is at Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? I'm hanging in there. Doing all right. Enjoying some uh, holiday holiday beverages. Uh, yeah, that would be, I mean, I don't know why you're saying you're hanging in there when you're literally on vacation right now. That's a fair statement to make. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, uh, it's good to hear that you're hanging in there with the, uh, coquito. So that's good. Um, I, uh, I am also hanging in there because this is not a victory, morning podcast uh as we've become accustomed to spoiled by victories have we become uh but before we get started i do have to make a few announcements the first being that the strickland has an instagram check that out subscribe to it you can follow us on instagram at the strict.land we are posting all kinds of new content on their graphics and all variety of good things so please check that out please give us a follow if you're on there that is again at the strict.land on instagram also, you may be watching this pod on YouTube. If you are, hit like and then subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are trying to get to a thousand. That would be a big help if you can help us get there. So please do that. Uh, also, we have a Patreon, which you may be aware of if you've listened to this podcast at all. Uh, there's a six dollar tier that gets you access to this podcast that I do every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag that comes out every other week that is hosted by Drew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag. You also get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So, without further ado, let's get started. Uh, the Knicks <clears throat> saw their eight-game winning streak come crashing down yesterday. They lost to the Raptors, shorthanded, uh, no Quentin Grimes. So uh, just a nine-man rotation, which probably should have just been eight guys. Uh, lost 113-106. Obviously, they had won eight before that. They had absolutely crushed Golden State the night before, uh, which apparently is not anything to be proud of because Golden State lost by 30 again last night to the Nets, and they were down by 40 at halftime. They had given up 91 they gave up to 90. Oh, my yeah. God, bro. That is crazy. Yes, it is. It is crazy, uh, and we might talk about that. But first, 
we are going to be talking about the Knicks. Um, I don't know. I'm not really that upset. I guess I, I don't know if people were like, well, I don't know if people were like listening to this. Like, oh man, I hope Schwinn loses it or Perez goes on. I, I'm just not that upset about it. Like, look, were there it's things more annoying than it is upsetting? Yeah, and I think I yeah, and I'll say this: there were things in that game. Um, like, so this is the thing, right? Is this a game you lost because of Tibbs? No, I think that's like a pretty strong statement to make. Do I think that there were things on the margins that may have tilted the game in the Knicks' favor? Yeah, maybe. Um, I didn't like anything about the first half rotation. Uh, I thought it was really weird that he pull, he took quickly out after eight minutes, and then he didn't put him back in until like. 640 left in the in the second quarter and it's like i don't know if he was going to i know he i guess he wanted to get rose in there and there were people bugging out for the game about like oh he's gonna play an eight man rotation run these guys in the ground it's one game like it's one game nobody put in some hard shift the night before against golden state it's fine one game eight man rotation i would have had no problem with uh he goes to nine guys and said brings rose in i didn't think rose had much of anything again um, which is safe to say at this point, like I just think Rose is kind of done. Uh, He's done. Yesterday yeah. was like it was a short rotation for him, and you know it's never effort with Rose, but like he had two turnovers that were basically like pick sixes, and in like a few minutes, and it like he can still get the floater occasionally and hit a three occasionally, but like everything else, it's just you know it's finally catching up with him. And and whatever, <laughs> uh, I didn't like that because I, I just thought it was really weird. Like he basically if you're gonna play every, if you're gonna be open to playing random, not random to, yeah, to play playing different guys forty minutes. My thing is like if you're gonna be open to playing various guys forty minutes, just play quickly. Like what did he end up with? Like uh, thirty five, I think. Yeah, play um, him fucking 40 minutes. Who gives a shit, dude? Like, he's not even playing 30 minutes every game. Like, he'll be fine. Well, the, the thing... So, what I was going to say is very specifically because people are going to be like, oh, you're just... Okay, look, again, I'm not really that... I'm, I'm really not, like... You can look up on my tweets. I, I said, like, one thing maybe about Tibbs coaching, um, which was, like, I didn't like the Hartenstein-Sims minutes in the second half because I thought it was obvious in the first half that they just... There was a bad matchup. I had no problem with him going to it in the first half because... That lineup had been, that look had been okay during this winning streak, if not outright good for the most part. So I'm okay. Like, you tried it out. It didn't work. It was not a good look. It didn't matter. They tried it with Brunson. They tried it with RJ. Like, they tried it with all their different shot creators. It didn't work. Um, it, it just did not have it yesterday. The Raptors are uniquely a bad matchup for that lineup and for this team in a lot of ways. Um it is what it is. I didn't like going back to it in the second half. I thought he should have tried something going even extremely small, even if that meant three guards and one wing. I didn't care. I thought he should have done it. He did it. Fine. Shit happens. What I didn't like about the first half, again, just to be very specific, um, I thought the rotation should have been if quickly comes out first, that's fine. Take quickly out, put Deuce in. Okay, great. Wonderful. Then your next rotation should have been Quickly back in for Brunson with like whatever, 10 minutes after 10 minutes. Quickly plays point. You already, we know that him, Deuce, and RJ play together all the time, so that's fine. Do that. Then you just take RJ out to start the second. And if you want to give Rose some token minutes there, fine. Go for it. I don't care. Go super small because you know why you can do that? 
Because you're playing Sims and Hartenstein together. Like, if you're going to be super big at the four and five, then you can get away with being small at one to three. Or at least you can take that chance. I would have much preferred that. That would have made sense to me. That's a lineup that in the preseason, you know, we saw that a few times. I didn't totally hate it. I thought it was like, okay, maybe it would have. Do I, again, and this is my thing, is like, I, but I don't feel strong enough about any of this stuff to say like, well, if Tibbs had done that, like this to me is very different from things that I've really ripped into Tibbs for. This is more like, I think maybe this would have worked better, but I, I don't know if that would have worked and we would have won the game. And ultimately, like, I think what it boiled down to is that the Hart Hartenstein Sims minutes, especially the ones in the second half, uh, and I guess you could say in the first half too. I mean, I just thought those minutes cost us, and repeating it in the second half was the bigger issue, and that was probably the biggest issue of the whole game in terms of coaching. Um, there were also like small things, like he started calling out set plays when we got up four in the third quarter, which I didn't really understand, but like whatever. Um, but yeah, like I don't know if you're looking at this game and you're just like really pissed about Tibbs or you know, oh Brunson had a bad game or Randall fucking I don't know what the hell he did on that last shot, but it was terrible. Like if you're <laughs> mad at controller him, unplugged. That's yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, but if you're like really upset about these things, I don't know. I, I just can't be that upset about it. Like they played hard. They did some stupid shit. They lost a game after winning eight in a row against a team that was absolutely desperate for a win and Pascal went off and you got a kind of a bad whistle last night. Like all of those things combined. And I'm like, okay, let's move on. Like, to, let's, let's just beat, beat Chicago on Friday. And I won't care. Yeah. If you like Toronto's such a weird fucking team, um, like it, it just taking my Knicks hat off. They're just like odd, right? Like there's not, it's not a coincidence. We've heard lots of noise of like, will they blow it up soon? Because like, aside from Pascal, every single Raptor was not good. Like that's how good Pascal was. He was just like breathtakingly ridiculous. And when the refs were, you know, giving him a very friendly whistle, he knocked down most of his free throws to 10 of 11 around the hoop. The only other Raptor to do anything was really Fred. And he, Scored 28 on 24 shots. Um, cool. He had some nice drives. and You know, he had a big three-pointer late. He was fine, but, like, wasn't that impressive. You look at team-wide, the Knicks shot, like, 50-whatever percent. <laughs> they shot, like, 10% higher than the Raps. Raps just did their uh, extra possessions thing, which is pretty much their whole – That's don't really have yeah, they, they don't have good offense. Their offense is just volume, and it worked, which is very rare for that to happen against the Knicks. The Knicks are uh, – I shouldn't say very rare. The Knicks have had their troubles with defensive rebounding, but not during the streak. And usually the Knicks don't turn it over much, and you ha- you just had a lot of uncharacteristic turnovers. Um, yeah, had- Br- Brunson had like five – Brunson had five turnovers yesterday. He had 12 assists yeah. with five turnovers. And like you could just tell, I think he got in his own head. I don't even think it's like he totally did. He totally did. Yeah, we we've seen him make shots over bigger defenders, longer defenders, wing defenders. It doesn't matter. That's not usually his issue. He just couldn't. I think what happened is his shot was off to start of the game, and so then he like slightly went into distributor mode. But every time he'd get like two assists, he'd be like, "All right, all right, now is my time. Like, not now. I'm going to make a shot." And it just didn't happen for him. And it's like. You know, look, that happens. Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, I should say this. 
I should be very clear about this. If we are going to say tips cost us the game, the one thing, the one, one thing that you could say was inexplicable, and I do mean inexplicable, was leaving Mitchell Robinson on the bench to close the game. For I thought he said he couldn't play because he was no, that's still bullshit. hurting from the nut shot. Give me a break, dude. I got hit in the nuts. I played soccer, all right? I've gotten hit in the nuts plenty of <laughs> times with fucking absolute rocket shots from outside the box or something. No shot. You fucking take like a minute. You know, I thought about it, that because the quote because the quote he gave after the game was like he said, uh, and again, you know, I'm, this is me attempting to parse words, but he said like he got he got hit or whatever, and then he wasn't a hundred percent, and we put hard in, and, and I decided going. to leave. And he said, and we got going, so I decided to leave him in. So it definitely, it, he definitely might have. That was just you're right. It's just kind of like. Weird, uh, no, th- like this I, is so like it, th- this is this is one of those things you just file away for a later date. But like this is an example of Tibbs, not like it's like a weird random deviation. Like, well, what? It, it's like, this is what it is, right? It's like if he find if something works, if something just works in like the four, if it happens to work for like you get five points out of it, or you go you go on a five zero run with it in the fourth quarter. His his thinking is never like, okay, that was great. Now let me put in this player because he's even better than Hartenstein. And we're in a position now to like maybe take control of this game or extend the lead or whatever it is. His his thing is like, well, this group got it, so I'm going to leave this group in. He does this a lot. In, but it, it's so weird because he only does it in the fourth quarter. He actually never does this in quarters one to three, right? Like one to three is just like, nope, this is when you come in. The this pattern, you, right? Yeah, yeah, but the fourth quarter is like, well... They had it going, so I left it in. And, like, he's done this a few times, and he's done it with different players in different situations. Um, again, I'm not going to totally kill him for it. Like, Pascal was on some shit, so who knows if... Again, you can't say, like, 100% Mitch plays, they'll close the game, we definitely win it. You know, I, I don't know that. But I would have much rather seen Mitch out there than Hartenstein. I think the fact that we couldn't get any defensive rebounds with Hartenstein on the floor... Um, I don't know. I just I'm they were so picking, they were picking on they were picking on him. It was it was it was really annoying to see given the fact that if, if Mitch was actually available then this was Mitch was available. Like, his comment his comment makes it obvious he was available. He he said like they we got it going so we left like we made a run with that right, group right. that so we stayed with that. Like that was his logic. And that's fine. Sometimes coaching is about going with like feel over what is largely you know. true in a broader sense. But, like, which is why I, I'm not going to kill Tibbs for this. Like, if he started doing this every game, then yes, I would kill him. Be like, why the fuck are we doing this? He did it one game. And it was weird and whatever. Hopefully he doesn't do it again. But, like, again, I'm not going to kill him for it. It happens. But it's definitely something to file away as one that you're just like, like, why do you do this? I, I, and, and he, like, he doesn't do it all the time and he doesn't do it all the players. It's just really weird. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think back to real quick, real quick, yeah. back to Brunson. Um, another thing that I'm kind of filing away that I'm interested because the the teams we played in the streak, we haven't really played that many like long athletic defenders, and obviously that's what the Raptors are supposed to be in theory. Even though they are long and they are athletic, but they're not particularly good at defense as a whole. Um, their whole strategy for ger- generating turnovers was. Um, show like soft doubles to our three ball handlers and then 
Um, particularly once they got past the three point line, um, you would see guys just try to sneak into like their uh, blind spots. OG is really good at that. Um, he bothered Brunson in particular with that. And I, I'm very curious to see if other teams that have a little bit of length try to do that because this team, the Knicks aren't a bad passing team, but they're not a good passing team. And the way Randall, RJ, and Brunson all pass, like none of them are non-passers, but they're not, neither of them are proactive passers. Like Julius has to wait until like 0.001 seconds before the turnover of a double team before he kicks it out. And, you know, it works a lot of the time, whatever. RJ, same thing. He's, you know, he doesn't really pass much from the free throw line on his drives from that area. It's usually once he's right under the hoop or like about to give the alley-oop and he's deep in the paint. Same with Brunson too. Um, And I think we saw that. I, I To me, that's a notable weakness of those three guys. None of them, like, none of them are the type of players to, as soon as they see a double, to just, to just move the ball, to just move the ball quickly. And it happened to Brunson on the perimeter sometimes as well, not just in the paint. And he, he prefers stringing it, stringing the ball out rather than just, uh, trying to find the pass immediately. And part of that is because he's short, but there's a lot of times where you could see he knows where the pass is, but he'd rather just take another dribble or two. And that really, takes the Knicks out of their rhythm a bit. And also, I think the Raptors got in their head, particularly Brunson's head, um, because he'd be worried. You could see him legit worrying, like, where where is the defense coming from? And if I think that's a contrast to RJ, who I think actually handled the ball pressure in the paint really well, even though... Uh, I mean, he he had a couple of nice passes, but like particularly dribbling, he he didn't really look bothered by a lot of the ball pressure. They did get a couple of deflections on him, but um, he had some of the more impressive dribble moves in traffic. That I, I've I seen. don't think I don't think he was bothered at all. I think all that happened is that a few he and he has this habit. Art Randall has his habit. It's not even, it's it's just like their handle isn't the best, so there are times where they'll turn their back to the basket while they're like. Yeah in the middle of the lane and that can work against mo other can work against a lot of teams. It's not going to work against a team like Toronto where or not it's it's you're going to get in trouble a few times against a team like Toronto where they trap and are like super aggressive. Every time RJ them. does his slow motion spin move, he times it really well, but I'm always like, "Oh fuck, here we go." <laughs> but like to his credit yesterday, it mostly it mostly worked. He was able to keep the ball away from their hands. And, yeah, I mean, I was surprised that. since he was being defended by uh, the greatest defender in the history of basketball, OG Ananobi. <laughs> OG was a uh, nobody. No, RJ. You know, he had himself a hell of a game. He was that was among his better offensive games, if not his best offensive game, just in terms of scoring touch and dribble moves, and he hit all his threes. I mean, I would, I, I would say. I would go as far to say is that is maybe arguably the greatest scoring performance in the history of basketball, considering uh, <laughs> the quality of his wing opponent. I know not just OG Ananobi, but future first ballot Hall of Famer Scotty Barnes. <laughs> yeah, I mean the fact that he was able to do it against guys that you're probably talking about making a good 
12, 13, 14 all NBA teams, all defense teams. Um, pretty special, pretty special from RJ for a guy who, uh, you know, quite frankly, is maybe what a replacement level wing. So, yeah, gotta also, say, it really stood out yesterday. It like just going back to the weirdness of the Raptors, like, man, Pascal, like, I just don't know what the fuck they're doing aside from literally aside from just letting Pascal. And maybe yesterday was like weird for them, but like Nick Nurse, like, what are you like? He does the cool, funky stuff on defense, but on offense, I just don't know what the fuck they're supposed to be doing right now. Like, they they they're just fortunate that this guy couldn't miss, and he would just like flail and fall and get calls and shit like that because. Like there, this is not a good offense, and that's part of the reason why I I really was frustrated because I really wanted to win, just because it feels like the Raptors have just fallen on their fucking face, mm. despite <clears throat> Pascal <throat> ascending to a legit top twenty, top fifteen player, and they got so much love for making the playoffs and having a good record last year, and you know nobody gives a shit now. And I'm like, if if any, that doesn't even have to be the Knicks, because you know it would be like completely off the chain if it was the Knicks. But like, if some other team made the playoffs, had a season, had some like knob slobbing action on their young players, and then the next season their best player ascended to like the fucking like Cameroonian Kobe level of play, and everybody else just sucked, and their team just sucked. You and they're like considering blowing it up and considering tanking, it would be an embarrassment. And I was like, man, this fucking team is so fraudulent, but it didn't matter yesterday just because <laughs> this guy was just he he was just cooking. It was it was crazy. It was I I'd be very surprised if we see anybody else cook versus the Knicks like that for the rest of the entire season. MVP candidates or not. Like <laughs> I mean he put up fifty two, right? So um, yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he cooked. I think it makes it really hard when you can't touch a guy. I, I don't know. I yeah. really don't really, I, I genuinely do. I like, do I think the Knicks lost because the officiating? No, I, I don't think that, but like, I, I really don't know what, I mean, the foul it's one Oh two, one Oh one. He takes this. He has to take it. Right? It's not like I'm, I'm not saying he like dribbled into this with 15 seconds. Of, he ends up having to take this like awful baseline fade he falls after landing. Brunson doesn't touch him. He doesn't. Yeah. Li- he's not in his landing area. He yeah, literally he doesn't, doesn't touch, touch him. him. And the Knicks have the rebound, and then they blow the whistle. Like that's it was one hundred two, one hundred one. I think we would have had the ball going up with like one forty left or something. One that swung the game. That's a big swing, and it's like, and that one sucked. And then literally, I mean, I think it was. I'm not even joking. I'm almost positive it was the, the next possession down the floor. Okay, the next position on the floor, RJ is driving. OG is literally, he's got his arm on his, he's got his hand in his back. He's hooking his 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 left his left arm because he was driving right, and they're not calling anything. And like, look, RJ made a bad play. He should have never gotten to where he did. He drove way too far baseline, had nowhere to go, turns the ball over. But like, that's a foul. That's like three fouls right there, and they didn't call that. It just I don't really understand that. Like and 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 the thing that the other part that fucking pisses me off, and this is just NBA rules, but it's like if you win a fucking challenge, you should not have not be able to challenge again for the rest of the game. The Knicks and the Knicks won a challenge 
on another one of these things where Van Vliet kicks his legs like five feet in advance. And this is another one that pisses me off. That's a foul. That's a foul on Van Vliet. Or it's a violation. I don't care what it is. That should not be a jump ball. You should not get credit for duping the officials. And that becomes a jump ball. The Knicks lose the jump. And I think Toronto ends up scoring off that jump anyway. So it's The a challenge game. thing is dumb. In the NFL and the MLB, if you win a challenge, you get to keep the challenge. And it's just like, it just seems like an own goal on the part of the NBA. Like, okay, so if the ref fucks up, you penalize the team for correcting the refs. That's stupid. There's yeah. no benefit to this version of that rule. So it seems like an easy thing for them to fix. Hopefully they do it. No, it's it's actually crazy. Um, but yeah, like, I, I just, I don't know. It was a really frustrating game for that reason. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I It was good to see quickly hit a bunch of shots. Uh, second game in a row that he's had his three-point shot going. He made six yesterday. He made five the game before. Catch and shoots and pull-ups. Yeah, you think he used 11, yes. 11 of 15? In, over the last two now, he's up to 34.6% from three. Turns out he's not an awful shooter and won't shoot bad forever, so everybody can stop freaking out about that. Um, I don't know. I I still, I got to say this. I, this win streak has been great and fun. There's a lot of good things from it, no question. Um, I don't love how much we're leaning into like these three guys and three, three guys alone doing the initiating. Uh, like there have been people that are like, oh, quickly look at his assist rate. It's falling down, and like Deuce isn't giving us enough, and and it's like, oh, Grimes passes up shots sometimes, and it's like, dude, you're not keeping these guys involved consistently. Like it was great. It's it's especially frustrating because you see games like the Golden State game, right? The ball's moving, and look, Golden State's a joke right now. They can't defend anybody, but it's like you see the ball moving side to side. Guys are getting involved. And you see that when you keep the ball moving and you keep these guys involved, a guy like Grimes, yeah, he can go off. He took like eight shots. I think he had 16 points. But the point is, like, these guys have to be more involved. And the offense needs to – and look, it's 31 games in, so maybe this is coming. The offense has already evolved from what it was last year to what it was at the start of the year to what it is now. So maybe there's more evolution coming. But, like, I need guys like Grimes and Quickly to have an opportunity to initiate the offense, to run the offense. Like, quickly, at this point, watch these games. He's actually not, he's barely getting any chance to initiate offense. Like, even when he's on the floor without Brunson or Randall, he's on with RJ. And then Tibbs goes into this point RJ thing a lot of times now. And it's just like, I, I don't think you need to do that. And it shouldn't be. I, I don't, forget, you need to. It shouldn't be that way. It needs to be more diversified. You need to get these guys on ball reps quickly and Grimes specifically. I'm not saying they need to be like, especially Grimes, like they don't need to be running, you know, 15 pick and rolls a game or something, but like you can trust them to run sets in a pinch and like do things with the ball. Um, Deuce obviously needs to do more too, but like some of that is, I don't know how much he's allowed to do. I don't, I have no idea. Um, so those three guys need to get more, they need to get more involved. They need to be given more opportunities to create, play, make, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's something that they, like, I'm very happy that we've gotten RJ and Brunson and Randall now into this, like, good flow individually and collectively. That's, like, very important, obviously. Um, but now we need to take another step. We need to be pushing forward and trying to do more things. And that will only become more imperative when Obi Toppin comes back, which, I don't know, might not be for a while. But, like, whenever that is, 
it needs to happen because he's another player who needs to be involved offensively. And we saw earlier this year that he was not very much. Um, so these are things that need to happen. But like, um, <clears throat> you know, I think I, I, I got to say, I, look, I'm sure Isaiah Hartenstein is a wonderful player. And if you use him to do the things that he's very good at, maybe he's even an excellent player. But, like, what, what, what is, what are we doing with him? Like, what is, what is he good at with, in terms of the way that we are using him? And why is that anything that we should care about long term? And, like, I keep thinking about this because. What do you mean, I, what is he good at? I mean, what is he, that we use? What does he do that, that we use that he's good at? Aside from offensive rebounding and protecting the rim, is he actually? I don't think he's. I st- I don't care what his rim protection numbers say. I really don't. Like the guy is not. If you're if you're a good rim protector, but you routinely get pushed over at the rim. But like Pascal Siakam is strong and very very good and was on some shit yesterday. But like there were multiple drives where he just goes right into Hartenstein's chest and pushes him off his spot. Like this happens every game with him, and it, it's not just like an all NBA level player like Pascal that does it. And then there are times where, yes, he'll challenge... He's a good rim protector. He just... If, if if teams physically challenge him, then he struggles. But that's not that's not the majority of... Light. The majority of drives to the rim aren't somebody like putting a body on your center and then trying to score. That's the thing. So, like, I mean, I've, considered I, I, doing I, a, I've considered doing a video on his rim protection because of that thing. Like, I've seen so many Knicks fans just wonder, like, how is he even good at rim protection? And, like, that's because his quote unquote highlights of rim protection are just the like most boring shit ever. It's just timing and all of that. But if you're facing somebody who's gonna just like dive into you in the hopes of making a layup or getting a foul, then it's the worst possible kind of matchup for Hardenstein. Yeah, I mean, and I just don't think his rim protection is that good. Like in yeah, that's why I want to make the video. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, 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 don't think your video will change my mind because to me, when he's not playing with Jericho Sims, he's, ter- he's a terrible fit in this, in this, in this roster. He's a terrible fit with Randall. He's a terrible fit with Obi. Um, and in particular, like this, and this part is not on him. If we don't use the offensive skills he has, which we don't, um, and maybe there's good logical reasons for that that I don't understand because I'm not a head coach or something, but like. We don't. That's. It doesn't matter no, it's, whether it's, it's, it's unacceptable that we don't use his passing right, at that's all. That's fine. I, I, I don't. I wouldn't go as far as saying he's a bad fit with the team. I just think that, like on on defense in particular, he's fine. It's just your other. You you have to make a trade off, which is like if you're going to play him with guy, with other guys who don't rebound, you're going to be in fucking trouble because he's ass at rebounding. Well, that, but that's rim, but... that's the problem though. Like we're going to be playing Randall and. Presumably, when Obi gets back, we're going to be playing Obi at the four. So, like, he's inevitably going to play with these two guys. Randall, for all of his, and he has improved in his defensive rebounding since the start of the year. But, like, look at, I mean, watch that game yesterday. Watch how many times he's not boxing out. He's not doing anything. And to be fair to him, it wasn't just him. So, I'm not putting this just on him. Yeah, what they, what they've been, one thing they've been doing during the streak is kind of what they've, uh, with with Hart and Randall that I noticed is. What they used to do with Mitch and Randall, which is um, before Mitch actually got his hands on a bunch of rebounds, he was like box out guy, right? So now 
the the problem is like Hartenstein, he's been great at boxing out over the streak, but like the it, it it's you're creating a new problem, which is like okay, then Randall feels like he doesn't have to box out. So if you deal with Hartenstein when he's not boxing out, which is like half the time. Uh, then Randall's not boxing out. Then you get into trouble. So you have to push the right buttons if you're tips. Yeah. And, and I, I just only really Hart- and Hartenstein's just not that good at boxing out either. He, I don't know what it is. Like he just doesn't. He, he he's really, not. He's not strong. Yeah, he's, he's not, not strong, strong. <laughs> and he doesn't know how to like use his body. Like he, there are times where he'll have inside position, and he'll like stick his ass out into the guy, but then like the dude will move, and he just doesn't react at all. Um, so like. I don't know. I just if if we're gonna keep I mean, this is the reality, right? Like Randall seems like he's probably gonna be here at least through the rest of the year. Um, Obi is also probably gonna be here through the rest of the year, and he's gonna be back at some point. Like, may, may you can deal with this, I guess, for the rest of this year with Hartenstein and whatever. But like, it's another one of those things where it's like beyond that, I don't really get it because there's not like, especially if Tibbs is still here, right? If you got if you bring in a different coach who's like. You know, all of a sudden he's going to be using Hartenstein's high post passing and all this type of shit. Then, then okay, then maybe the trade off is worth it. But I think it's safe to say, like with this coach, with generally how he plans on using Hartenstein and his centers in general, um, I don't know. I, I just don't see it. And like, do I think Sims is a perfect solution to all that? No, not at all. He's got his own issues in rim protection, especially. Um, but like, I think he's a cleaner fit. I think he's better in that sense. And that's like, it's not really high praise of Sims, who I really like. But like, to me, it's know. more a question of like other teams. Like Hartenstein will have higher trade value. So like, if the drop off from Hartenstein to Sims is not that big, and you're just going to be like fucking around and bullshitting and not using Hartenstein, then trade him. Right? It's not unlike. What we've talked about with Obi is like, look, if you're going to keep Randall and you're never going to use Obi at the five and you're just going to stick Obi in the corner, then just, just fucking trade him, right? Like, it, it's, it's like a version of that. Like, sure, Sims, Sims gets pushed around way more than way more than he should given his size and strength. He's not a good rim protector. He's better at rebounding than Hartenstein and he's awesome on the perimeter and he's a great role man. So, like, you want my hot trade offs. What's your hot take? My hot take is I think our front court needs consolidation way more than anything in our back court. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we know that those two contracts in particular were uh, the being Sims and, and Hart were like, they were good deals that just screamed like part of a trade, right? Like when, when we see them. Especially like Hartenstein. Hartenstein's, yeah. Hartenstein's what, one plus one? No, it's two, it's two guaranteed, but it's like $8 oh, million. And then you look at the other contracts they have, right? It's like, oh, eight plus Derrick Rose gets you to like twenty two, and right. plus Evan Fournier gets you to twenty six. And you're like, okay. and as far as throw-ins go, like quote on air quotes throw-ins, like Sims' deal is like, and for a backup center who's really good, is this like an amazingly team friendly deal? So that's the sort of shit that could like, if you do consolidate, could get you across the finish line. That I, that's a good point. Nobody really talks about that, but it's definitely. Uh, I don't know if it's a hot take, but it's definitely a new take, which is uh, rare because all of the takes get thrown around on on uh, the Knicks internet. <laughs> I mean, like I, I've been saying this 
basically since we first saw it. But like the Sims at the Ford thing is interesting. I know Pascal. I mean, I don't really know what you want Sims to do in that matchup yesterday. He made like there were like four shots where he took got Pascal to take off the dribble like fadeaway seventeen footers, and he made them. Like that's you can't do really much else. If you're I have there. no issue with how Sims. Like the reasons Pascal scored on Sims were because he hit hard shots and because he's literally bigger than Sims. Like Sims right. is more Jack, but Pascal's literally taller and longer than Sims. Yeah, they were different than like Randall's issues, which were Randall, let's just be honest, like I think what Breen said he was like superb yesterday. And I know this is crazy to I don't say. Know, I was stuck with the fucking Raptors broadcast. So. I'm sorry to sorry to hear that. <laughs> Leo Rowan's uh just screaming. In the most annoying New York City accent possible, um, <laughs> but like, it sounds like he's like from a. It's like it sounds like he's like announcing like the fucking Brooklyn Dodgers in the fifties or something like fucking guy. Um, Cyclones. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but like he, uh, you know, he was like a superb performance for Randall, and like I don't think he played bad. I don't think it was superb. He was good. Like he was good yesterday. I'm not gonna call it superb because the first like. They got they had five rebounds on their first out of out of their first nine missed shots. The Raptors, three of those came on one possession where Randall just did not bother to do anything to Scotty Barnes. And luckily, Scotty Barnes is awful and somehow missed. A, he got a he got the rebound, missed a missed a little hook shot from like five feet away, uncontested by the way, because Randall didn't move. Um, and then he he. Got another rebound, missed a layup, and then I think he missed a tip. Like, it was just an awful sequence. But the point is, like, Randall just did, he was not switched on until the end of the second quarter because he got pissed off. And then he got pissed off, and then he, like, competed pretty hard for the rest of the game. Was he perfect? Was he great? Like, nah, I don't, I wouldn't go that far. He was good yesterday. I have no problem with it. I'm not sitting here killing him for it. But I, I, I need to, like, Breen needs to relax. Like, I'm sorry. You get fixed two drop on you. Not all of them were like this. Wasn't mellow against Miami, draining like all jumpers. You know, like this. That, that's it not was eleven shots at the rim. Yeah, like just calm down. Um, but yeah, to, just to go back to it, like you see this. Like I think the Sims at the four look is pretty interesting, and I do think that has made Hartenstein's issues on the defensive glass a lot more either easier to cover. He's covered those up, or they're just become more palatable. Uh, it also has helped that before yesterday they were like the greatest offensive rebounding lineup ever in the history of basketball. Um, but like, I don't know. How, obviously, I don't know how sustainable that is. I don't love the spacing. I think the spacing has hurt dudes like quickly a lot more than people have accounted for. Um, oh, he's slumping. Well, it's pretty interesting when that slump started. Uh, but like, whatever. The the point is like, I I just think. You have a, it's given you an idea of something, right? Sims, Hartenstein, seeing them together, you're like, okay, there's an idea here that's pretty interesting. Now, is Sims the right four or is Hartenstein the right five to pursue that further? How does, how does this affect Obi? What are your plans for Obi to begin with? You know, there's all kinds of things you need to weigh out, like figure out. But that Sims at the four look with the right five. I think would be very interesting. Obviously, we joke around like, "Oh, Chris Stops," but like, we're not going to pay. What is he getting like thirty million a year right now? He's probably looking at a nice fat payday given the season he's having. That's not realistic, especially given you have money invested in Mitch Robinson, you have money invested in Julius Randle. Um, it's just not a realistic proposition. 
But like, is there a five out there that you can get off the bench that slots in and makes Magic sense? Magic won a first for Mo Bamba. <laughs> yeah, right. But like, I mean, it's a joke that they're not going to get a first round. But it's like, is that something where you'd be like, yeah, maybe you know, maybe you get a couple seconds for Hartenstein, send them to Orlando for Bamba. Like, is that something to consider? I have no idea. I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. But that Bamba at least is like the idea of the type of like offensive center maybe that makes sense if this is how we plan on using our centers on both ends of the floor, right? Because at least I would say this. I would I would venture to guess that even Tibbs in his very rigid only center set the screens world uh would have Sims be the role man and have Bamba spot up. You know? And does Bamba have actual gravity out there? I have no I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think he has the answer is no. Yeah, he doesn't have like he's not like cat not yet anyway. He's not like cat, right? It's not like guys are like gonna be like screaming and like sprinting to run him off the line or anything. But I mean he definitely has more gravity than Hartenstein does. Like, Hartenstein had a three yesterday that was oof. it, it he, almost banked he, in he did off one the of those five physics, right? Like how you how you how you almost bank in a corner three, bro? <laughs> yeah, that I was don't even wild. understand the physics. I think he did that once earlier this year, too. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm just thinking out loud. But it's like, I, I do think the front court, it's like, if you have four guys at the four and five, that makes sense. Right now, the Knicks have five when Obi is healthy. It's a little crowded. And the thing is, like, you feel like all of those guys deserve minutes. Like, I mean, we just spent a shit, or I, rather, I should say, spent a shit ton of time just shitting on Hartenstein. But, like, he's obviously a rotation player. You know, he's obviously got skills in the NBA. Like, he deserves to play. Um, but Mitch is obviously a starter. Randall is obviously a starter. Sims deserves to play. Obi deserves to play. That's five guys. It's very, we can sit here and complain, oh, Tip should experiment with Obi at the three. Tip should play Obi and Randall at the four and five. Whatever he does, those minutes have to come from somewhere. They're coming at somebody's expense. And it might be at somebody's expense who doesn't deserve it. Like, does Sims deserve to be out of the rotation entirely when Obi comes back? Probably not. But that's what we're looking at. And are Obi and Hartenstein as effective as Sims and Hartenstein? I don't know. I can look it up, which I'm doing right now. Uh, but, like, I, I, I really... I'm just really curious about how they manage this or if they even do anything for the rest of the year because I don't think they will do anything for the rest of the year, and I don't mind that. I'm okay. I'm very okay with that. Um, but over the offseason, this definitely feels like an area of the team where you need to take a look at what's happening. Yeah, you have to at least see what you can do out there because like, it's, it's what you said. All of these guys are solid. And on good deals for the most part. Is there a way to find somebody who's also solid on a better deal, but a better fit? Or is there a way to find somebody who's just perhaps different from all of them and a better fit? You know, there's, I don't know the answer. Like we, we were talking about Bamba. Like it's possible that he's also solid, but like ends up having some glaring flaws or something i don't know but like you have to think about what you can do with these appealing contracts and that's probably going to be the theme of what they're looking at as for the roster as a whole right like assuming there's no star trade like are there any other 
consolidation moves you can do that net you a clear upgrade and some open roster spots. Um, so I don't know, I don't know how they do it, but they, yeah, like obviously I like Hartenstein more than you, but it's it's it still holds true no matter what because even if it's Sims, like you're right, like Sims is going to be on the outside looking in in all likelihood. And that sucks because he's good at some very important stuff. Or like, if let's be real, like there's a chance Obi's on the outside looking in. I hope fucking not. But like, Tibbs has done weirder, stupider shit before. So who the hell knows? Um, so we'll I, I see. mean, I I'll, and I, I think it's worth one thing. I I hope that Obi. I mean, I know Obi is watching these games. But uh, one thing I really hope that. Uh, he's taking away from these games is look, we can sit here and say Tibbs has put him in the corner and that sucks and blah, blah, blah. You're allowed to cut from the corner and you're allowed to cut when Isaiah Hardenstein is catching the ball in the short roll. And guess what? If he's been watching, guess what Jericho Simmons has been doing? He's been doing a lot of cutting from the corner because you know what? Nobody's guarding him as his ass in the corner. Less than Obi is ever getting guarded in the corner. I'll say this. Obi cuts from the corner but like when Obi was playing with Hartenstein, it's only recently that Hartenstein is even getting the fucking ball in around yeah, the free throw line. And I, yeah, I, and I but, think to that to that yeah. point, it's worth wondering if like this is one of those weird examples of Tibbs becoming more creative when he has when he has to, mm-hmm. like like right, right. when he when he when he absolutely like has will to. he let Hartenstein do that stuff with Obi back now that he realized oh yeah. He can actually do that. <laughs> yeah, or will he just be like, great, Obi's back. Let's spread the floor out here. Let's just run high pick and roll quickly at Hartenstein. Hart, just pretend you're Mitchell Robinson. Get ready for the lob, even though you can't jump or finish at the rim sometimes for some reason. Um, no, but it's like, I hope he's watching, and I hope that Tibbs keeps doing that because the short roll passing with him, he, we've been seeing a lot more of it the last three or four games. Um, he can pass out of that spot, man. That's no joke. And um, that's, you know, I think Obi talked about this part of the season about how hard it sounds like, oh, just cut, I'll find you. And it's a thing that I was excited about. I think everybody was excited about it. We haven't seen much of it. But like, yeah, I mean, I would love to see more of it for sure. And I would love to see more of it with Obi because we know that, and look, Sims is his own I don't know. I could just watch Jericho Sims dunk the ball. Um, <laughs> it's I don't even understand. Like the, the guy on TNT, I think it was Ryan Ander or Brian Anderson. He was like, he was going crazy about or about Sims jumping and shit. But like, it's just extremely violent and satisfying to watch when he just gets up there and you're like, wait, why is your head like four inches above the rim right now? Casually, I just really, I just really wish. Sims and Mitch had a little more freedom to take a like we saw the the Mitch one dribble dunk he had on Barnes. Like I've been saying this for like four fucking years. Like if you allow the guys like that to take one more dribble, their dunk radius just becomes like half of the paint. And like man, like I, Mitch has had a couple of plays this season where he's taking one dribble or. Plays where he's called for the seal and nobody gives it to him because we're not good at that. Um, shit like that. But like, God, like, just let, just let, let these guys dunk, bro. Especially Sims, man. Like, fuck. I know Hardenstein is allowed to dribble, so 
Maybe they're just scared of doing it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Hardstart is allowed to dribble. Um, I'm not sure if Tibbs, like... I feel like Tibbs hates it every time he allows him to do it, though. <laughs> I'm, not sure he's, I'm not sure he's enjoying it. If he is enjoying it, he hides it very well, I'll say that. But, um, yeah, look, like he, he's been really... Um, Sims has been... He's just, like, a very interesting player, and I think... I think because we had only seen him be used at the five before, um, this becomes even more interesting because you're like, well, you're not a four in like the ways that we necessarily think of a four, but you can defend the four next to a more traditional five if that five has a different offensive skill set. And I think right, the issue is, is on offense, not defense. Right, and I think that's interesting, and it's worth like this is where you're like, you know, if you're front office. You, what, what do you, you have to consider all these things? Like, and is that some is that is that specific look even worth investing into? Uh, it's very it's very uh, Pod Strickland niche to uh, spend this much time talking about Jericho Sims at the four and investing into it. But like, new agenda just dropped. Give me my <laughs> Jericho Sims Mo Bamba bench front court ASAP. Yeah, but it's it's interesting. I I definitely am like for it, but I get why. You know, like it's like one of those Magic things. Fan, where... Listen, I be on Twitter. I be on Magic's Twitter. Okay, they love Hartenstein. I don't understand Do it. Maybe that. Yeah, like the five Magic fans I follow just love Hartenstein, <laughs> and they're like, "Fuck it, bring me Hartenstein." And I think Magic fans are just like so drunk with possibility now because like all 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 basket. They're the only true positionless team, and like nothing is impossible anymore in terms of who's playing with who. So they're just like, what? He can do handoff with Franz Wagner and Bol Bol and Paolo and see this like, is we need Bol Bol. That's what that's what I'm saying. This has all been a thirty minute long game for you to just talk about how much you love Bol Bol. <laughs> yo, we I'm yo, if we had Jericho Sims and Bol Bol off the bench, that shit would break basketball, bro. That would, <laughs> like that would be ridiculous. Have you seen like what the hell what is it anybody doing against Bobo and Jericho Sims? I wanna know. I wanna know. Bobo out here handing the Celtics L after L in Boston Guard in Boston T D Waterhouse, whatever the fuck they call it now. Uh no, like but he's I gotta like, say, I was pretty mad that the Magic front court got healthy because Bobo was absolutely killing for my oh, so fantasy is, team. Is Wendell Carter back now? I don't know, but since Paolo got back, oh, well, that's what you mean. I mean, when, when when Wendell comes back, it's going to be even more. So what stuck. you're saying is they should trade Paolo so that Bol Bol can. I'm saying they need to stop playing and do <laughs> what needs to be done. Make your hard decisions. Actually, I don't care anymore. I dropped Bol Bol from my fantasy team because he wasn't getting consistent minutes, so they could do whatever the fuck they want as long as Franz keeps getting shots because he's also on my fantasy team. Yeah, no, I, but like, but no, I, I really mean this. I think Bobo is a guy you should, the Knicks should be like, you know, just keeping an eye out. Cause he, I mean, what he is, like, we saw it, right? You see, you, we saw extended flashes of it for sure when he was getting minutes. And then, like, I don't think that's a fluke. I think the, the worry with him is if you pay him, and I, I think his contract ends after next year, like, let's be real, this guy was about to be out of the NBA. And then he finally got his shit together. And now we're like, 
why did you do none of this for the last like three years? Like, what were you doing for the last three years other than any of this? Um, but like, he's somebody who's super intriguing and he's still really young. He's obviously got a very unique skill set. Uh, I don't know. You talk if you're talking about like, forget just Sims too, right? Like, even with somebody like Obi or even Randall, like that, he's he's a dude who fits with. Almost a lot of dudes, he fits better with them than in a lot of ways he fits on the magic. Um, he's not good at guarding in space. He can, he's uh, we talked about Sims playing defense, playing the four on defense. His change of direction is really bad, yeah. Which, yeah, I get it. Yeah. He's like eight feet tall, right? And right. Has like nine <laughs> feet legs, so that's pretty tough. But he doesn't on the magic, he actually doesn't get to just like chill around the rim all the time that much. Um, he's He's an amazing help defender when he's able to help off ball, but on ball he's rough. So like he can play the four off ball on defense weirdly, as long as he's not having to change directions or chase. Well, it's guys it's the like teams. the it's like the Robert Williams thing. He's not and he's not as good on defense as Robert Williams is when he's healthy. But it's like you remember Boston was like, okay, we're we're actually going to have Robert Williams defend the weak side corner, and mm-hmm. then all he has to worry about is like crashing down and protecting the rim, right? It's right, like that exactly. same concept with Bull Bull. Um, yeah. Anyway, this is not the Bull Bull pod or the random magic pod. Uh, we are going to keep talking about the decks. But before I continue, the NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many things yet to unfold. Can the Knicks get home court advantage? Who knows? Maybe. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 of free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum agent eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, I want to talk a little bit about RJ Barrett. Schwinn, I have uh, an important question for you. Okay. I have a feeling this is not important, but I'm excited for it. <laughs> why? Why do you hate future Nick Zach Levine so much. <laughs> oh my god. Um <laughs> you, did somebody ask you to ask me this or something? No, uh, I just am I just am similarly incensed by the number of like, why aren't the Knicks <laughs> thinking about Zach Levine? I'm like, yo, we just we just, just quite God just started cooking, man. No, i I'm I'm gonna answer this. I'm gonna answer this because it needs to be answered. It does, people, it does. And the people that are clamoring... Can I just say this? The Knicks won eight games in a row, and half the conversation I see every fucking day is, oh, who should the Knicks trade for? Oh, should the Knicks trade for Zach Levine? Oh, what if Trey Young comes to the market? Oh, what if... The Knicks won eight games in a row. Can we just talk about the actual fucking players on the team that are doing this shit? Are we allowed to do that? Can we just enjoy... Like, why am I not allowed to just... Oh, but the Knicks still don't have a star. We need to get a star. Okay, great. We need to get a star. Can we just enjoy the team we have? Am I allowed to enjoy it? Can I just watch these guys develop and play basketball, win basketball games, look like they don't want to fucking kill each other? Is that fine? Can we? Can I do that? Is that 
is that okay? Am I allowed to fucking just like be a fan of the actual basketball fucking players and the fucking team? Is that okay? Like, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I Zach, look, if you want to take anything for, if you, there are a lot of things to take out of this win streak, okay? There's a lot of things to take out of what we've seen this season, what we saw last season, and what we saw in Tibbs' first season, okay? I think, I actually I tried writing about this a couple of years ago and I just couldn't get it out. So I'm gonna try and get I'm gonna try to do this on the pod live. Okay. I have a theory that certain teams have and certain cities and whatever, they inherently have a natural culture. They have a natural identity that you have to lean into. And when you try to do something different, it doesn't work. Okay, it doesn't work. Okay. The Knicks. Every time the Knicks have been good in their history. Look at their the history of the Knicks. And trust me, there are a lot of shitty fucking Knicks teams, right? A lot of them. 80s weren't great necessarily. The 90s were awesome. The 70s were great. Like, what do you look at? Their most successful stretches in their history have all come when they play hard-nosed defense, their physical team, all the shit. And yes, they were their most successful when they had star players, right? Which, of course, you need stars to win. But the core identity of the team is, during their most successful periods, has been hard-nosed, defensive teams that play together, that work hard, blah, 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 blah. Okay? They're not going to... They have never had a period of success where they were the Showtime Lakers. Okay? They've never had a period of extended success where they were the seven seconds or less Suns. No matter how hard Mike D'Antoni tried, that was never going to work in this city. It's never going to work in this city. It's never going to work on this fan base. Because this fan base, the moment you give up 110 points in a game, the defense sucks, everything is terrible, you can't defend anybody. And that was even more so, obviously, when they literally couldn't play defense under Mike D'Antoni, which isn't all his fault, by the way. Um, The point being is, the Knicks, two years ago, when they hired Tom Thibodeau, and they won 41 games, they made the playoffs, they figured something out. They, They established an identity. And it was not sexy. It was not the most fun thing to watch, for neutrals anyway, for sure. But they were physical for 48 minutes. They were tough for 48 minutes. They 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 grind out possessions. They grinded everything out. Hard, great defensive rebounding team. Blah, 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 blah. Okay? They did that. They get their ass kicked in the first round by Atlanta. It happens. You overachieved. You didn't have as much talent as as they did. And, and whatever. There's a lot of reasons why they lost to Atlanta. Don't need to go back into that. The point is they lost to Atlanta. They look at their roster reasonably, and we're like, we need more shot creation. We need more offensive firepower. Those were the right conclusions. The problem is, the guys they went after compromised the core identity of the team. And that's not because Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier were fucking sleeper cells sent to destroy the Knicks from within. No, they just don't fit. They're never going to be defensive-nosed, hard-minded players. That's just not what they are. And you put them into their team, you put them into the rotation, it fucked up a lot of shit. It wasn't all their fault, but it fucked up a lot of shit. The defense fell off. Yes, it picked up towards the end of the year once Kemba was out of the rotation, but the season was gone at that point, and you start the season and it still feels a lot like the same issues are cropping up, right? Cam is getting minutes, but you know, you're not defending very well. You're not defensive rebounding very well. You're offense is good, but it's not that great, and it feels very segmented. It doesn't feel like you're playing together. It doesn't feel like the team is competing hard every night. And 
whoever it was, Tibbs of the front office, or both, you know, about, what is it, 23 games into the season, they say, fuck it. Evan Fournier is already out of the rotation. Guess what? Derek Rose is out of the rotation. Cam Reddish is out of the rotation. Quentin Grimes is starting. Deuce McBride comes in. Now, all of a sudden, guess what? Your offense is great. Your offense is good. You signed Jalen Brunson in the offseason. Guess what? He's a great, he's a really great offensive player. Is he a great defensive player? No, but you know what he is? He's fucking tough. He's physical. He'll put his body on the line. You can work with that. You can work with that. You can't push that guy around. I've seen I've seen bigger dudes try to post him up. They can't really go anywhere. He's strong as hell. You know? He he's not the best defensive player in the world, but he can fit into that mindset. He can fit into that core identity. Okay? So you added him. Now you put in Quentin Grimes, you put in Deuce McBride, got these young guys who fit that identity, and in the case of Grimes especially, have shown that they got more offensive juice than just some spot-up shooter. Hell, he's got more offensive juice right now than we saw from fucking Evan Fournier this year for sure, and maybe even last year. So, okay, so you've now gone back. You've, you've figured it out. Hey, we're the Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. When the New York Knicks are good, they have a strong defensive foundation. They are a hard-nosed competitive team that gets on your ass for 48 minutes, and for 48 minutes, you're going to be in for a dogfight. Might not win, might lose, might turn the ball over 7,000 times like we did last night against the Raptors, but guess what? To win that game, you are going to have to beat us because we are going to keep coming, and we are going to keep coming, we're going to keep coming back. You are not going to keep us down. And that's great. They figured that out. They figured it out again. Good job, Tibbs. Good job, front office. If you want to explain to me how the fuck Zach Levine fits into that core identity, I, I, want, I want to hear it. If you can explain to me the logical explanation for how Zach Levine, who in his entire, you know, one, Zach Levine, it, he's very good at looking like he's very good at basketball. That's what Zach Levine is very good at. But he, you know what? He's not very good at NBA basketball. He, he's been a thoroughly middling player at best throughout his career. No matter how efficient he is, no matter how many points he puts up, because he is a tire fire on defense. He is a plague on the defensive glass. He is an absolutely moronic de- decision maker with the ball in critical situations. This is the guy that people are talking about, oh, we need to add a star, we need offensive firepower. What if I told you since the Knicks made these rotation changes, they're like, Ninth in offensive rating in the NBA, you know, like wh- I, I don't know what we're exactly trying to do here, but I'll tell you this: if what you're suggesting involves benching somebody in the starting lineup for a player of Zach Levine's caliber, you should shut the fuck up and never talk about basketball again, at least not in public, because I am worried that you might embarrass yourself, and. I I don't want you to embarrass yourself, you know? I just, I don't know what we're watching. But, like, here, look, over the last nine games, the Knicks are eighth in offensive rating. Eighth. They're second in defensive rating over the last nine. Sorry, that that was ten. Damn. Let's do nine. Last nine games, Knicks are second in offensive rating. 116.4 offensive rating. Number one in defensive rating, 101.6. I don't know, man. Zach Levine does not fit into what you've done. You've figured it out. You 
have three high-usage guys. You've got role players who fit in alongside those high-usage guys. You've got young guys that are improving, that are capable potentially of becoming more in your rotation. If you want to compromise this shit to bring in Zach fucking Levine, good God, please just donate your brain to science. Actually, don't. Because nobody needs to know why you're thinking that or what you're thinking that for. Uh, I have no idea, to answer your question, why anybody suggests that we should get Zach Levine. I think anybody who wants to get Zach Levine has no understanding of what makes the Knicks good currently and what has made the Knicks good when they are good historically. Um, Conversely, I'll add, or why the Bulls have struggled with Zach Levine. <laughs> yeah, yes, and why the Bulls have struggled with Zach Levine. And, like, like, look, I've said this on this podcast where I've tweeted it before, I'm pretty sure, maybe not tweeted it, I've talked about this before, I know I've talked about it on here before. When people wanted Zach, like, I, I'm not, trust me, I'm not counting myself as some old forever believer in Julius Randle. But even after Julius Randle's pretty whatever first year in New York, there were people that were like, I would trade him for Levine in a second. God, get Levine here. for." And I remember being like, I think Randle is better than Levine. And even last year, when I hated Julius Randle and I was killing him constantly, every time people would bring up Levine, I was like, yeah, I mean, if we can get a third team and we can just take the assets or something, I would do that. I, I have never wanted Zach Levine on this team. I have never... Like I, I, there's nothing about he is a career loser, who will forever be a career loser because he doesn't do anything that wins you basketball games, except when he's on fire from the field. He's a losing player. He doesn't. He's a terrible defender. He is not a great playmaker. He is not particularly decisive in key moments with the ball in his hands. Like he, he's just, and he doesn't play hard all the time. He, he apparently, their half his teammates are like questioning what the hell he's doing on the floor right now. Like these are things that we know about it. And I, I'm not saying Julius is, you know, some high winning, intuitive genius on the floor either. God knows, I would never say that about him, and I have never said that about him. But I think Julius Randle's ceiling is much higher than what Zach Levine shown us. Um, you know, Zach Levine's best high watermark is being the second best guy on a team that went all in to get gentlemen swept in the first round by the Milwaukee Bucks last year. Julius Randle was an all-NBA guy at his best. Second team all-NBA. Yes, empty stands, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? We're seeing this year that, like, yeah, he's never going to shoot like he shot that year from three especially. But maybe there's another path to getting him to be, like, an all-star, maybe? Like, I don't know. I, and I just... I know that Zach Levine's been an all-star and he's been an all-star twice, but like I've never cared for him. I have never thought that his numbers, as glossy and fantastic as they look on the stat sheet, match up anywhere near the level of impact that people believe he has.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New New episodes of Fly on the Wallin' drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallin' wherever you get your podcasts.